You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm joined today by The Athletic's David Aldridge. David and I talk about rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskins' first start, what we liked, where there's some room for improvement, and should he continue to start. And then it's on to my observations where I talk about things other than Dwayne Haskins with a little Haskins sprinkled in. Before I get on to my talk with David Aldridge, just a reminder that on November 18th, I will be doing a live podcast with Bram Weinstein from CityTap in Ashburn. Please join us. Now, on to my conversation with The Athletic's David Aldridge. So now I'm joined by David Aldridge from The Athletic. But he's at first, before we get going, he's a guy that I've long admired for his reporting skills, the ability to provide insight, and that's why I'm going to bring him on today to talk about Dwayne Haskins after his first start. And David, first of all, what did you see from him? What kind of jumps out for you initially? Well, I mean, look, it was his, he's got a long way to go. (laughs) But, uh, you know, he did some good things out there. It wasn't all, you know, awful. It was, uh, in fact, there was a lot of good. I thought, you know, if the concern was get him out of the huddle, be ready to play, let everybody on the same page, I thought for the most part they were today. They were... um, aligned correctly I think offensively there may have been a couple of times where he didn't get the call the protection call the way they wanted it um, but I thought his throws were okay you know it's it's hard to tell because it was I don't know if it was the wind or right. the bills I, I don't know but they didn't take any shots they took they weren't taking shots they took nothing down the field so Which surprised me a little a little bit I thought yeah. you, I think you have to at some point take a shot right. down the field but you know the, I know they had a high safety end right but um, so I thought it was okay. He made some good throws. I thought the throw, the best throw was against the blitz. The blitz came off of his right out, side. Out to the right. And he threw it right, right where the blitz came first from, down. which is what you're supposed to do and got a first down. He yep. also, on that play, he also changed his arm angle a little bit too. I think he had to throw it side on, but it's yeah. a nice ball delivering it too. Yeah. So there's some poise with that as right. well. And the pass was low and mm-hmm. only Richardson could get mm-hmm. it. So he did a lot. those things were good. He had a good throw to, to McLaurin, I thought. Um, missed a couple guys. Missed Quinn. Had Quinn yeah. open. Um, he missed. He was. He underthrew Harmon late in the game. Yeah, uh, that would have been a first down. Um, and then Quinn was open again, but that was when he got sacked. He yes, didn't have any time. And I didn't think he was going to have time on that because yeah. at first I wasn't sure. But the Harmon yeah. one. But I, do you think part of this too? And it's funny because the bar seemed to be set low because we've. Everybody's heard about how far away he is. Yeah. And like the operational part is where they wanted him to get better at. Mm-hmm. And in talking to people before the game, that was what they wanted to see, get him in, out of the, in and out of the huddle mm-hmm. on that. So I don't want to say maybe the bars that low is the wrong way, but they're really looking to see the foundation of his game. And yeah. you, is that more, I mean, is I that think more he's, what we're I seeing? think he is, you know, he's probably got 
different challenges to him because of his background with only the one season of real college football um, that sets him back a little bit yeah. in terms of experience. Um, my, my only argument is, where are they going? Right. <laughs> They're one and eight. Where are they going? Well, that's, <laughs> that's the question is like, because, you know, Callahan's asked after the game, yeah. is he going to start? And, you know, of course, I don't think after the game he's going to commit to right. that. Right, sure. It and he's got a bye week. I understand. He's got a bye week, but it doesn't seem like there's really any choice here. Is yeah. that? I don't know what the point of playing Case Keenum or Colt McCoy, right. another second this season maybe <laughs> it, it <laughs> for this team. <laughs> and, and I think players in that locker room if you communicate because listen players still want to win these veterans sure, still want to win of course they do and they know like hey this guy is better right now but if you go to them and say we're playing this kid because he's the future of the franchise I think guys are going whether or not they like it they're going to at least understand right. it I think there's some things that go on here that they don't understand correct I think that'd be easy to understand I think they would understand that people understand if, what a franchise quarterback does for a team and my, the only argument I have is you don't have enough evidence to make a decision about this guy. Right, you, <laughs> you have to be able to make a decision after this year. Keep him, don't keep him. But you don't have enough intel. No. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to find right. out is to put him on the field. And, and I'll be honest, like I saw a difference in him in pregame. Mm-hmm. I saw a difference in the way he walked and carried himself. Yeah. He seemed more confident. And maybe because I know like the body language was kind of an issue yeah. early on. Yeah. But maybe some guys just need to have this going on for them to get them ready. I, I think most people, most guys, in, especially in football, it's just different when you're not starting. Yeah. I just think you're different. Everything's different in, in terms of all the different ways you communicate to other people. And I just think you've got to know that you're starting and right. you just do everything differently when you're starting I think and especially a quarterback I just think it's a big deal and how did you feel like guys reacted to him I think they seemed to rally to him I mean I think you know all of them everybody not everybody a lot of people said independent of one another you know I talked to him this week I talked to him right. this week. I think they all understand that for this franchise to get turned around they have to have a franchise quarterback and again, I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is a franchise quarterback. I don't. We have to no, find no. out. And, and that's the thing is, we can all hear things. You're going to hear things throughout the weeks from whomever mm-hmm. about everything, but you still need to go see it and, have and to play. Yeah, because you don't know. Like the thing you always learn is you don't know how guys respond to situations. And that's my big thing with him is okay. You played poorly against Minnesota. What, what's your response? Yeah. Now you have this to build on. What's your response to this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yep, that, and I, I think that's a big thing in sports. And mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that is a – so that's like to me, if they get out of the season, getting a feel for the foundation of his game, whatever the results are. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're, throwing to, you're not throwing to, you know, a bunch of all pros out there right that's now. That's true, too. You don't have a tight end to go to right. in the red zone. And so it's, it's really hard to get a feel for the results-oriented mm-hmm. folks. But I think it's the process that you have to look Correct. at. Correct. And you know that that phrase from yeah, covering the NBA for so long. Yeah, but there's some truth to it. I mean, there's some truth to it. Um, and, I, and, it and it makes sense. And I get, and I would, I, I wrote this today. If, if they were. In the athletic. In the athletic. If they were four and five, I would totally understand going back to Casey. Right. If they were three and six, I would understand right. going back to they're one and eight. Yeah, there's, there's, there is no good reason. <laughs> there's no, there's nothing to play for other than to find out who this guy is. And, and 
that is that is the main story and going forward. And I think, like I said, I think guys would understand that. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, I don't think they would have gotten. We're still in it. A couple weeks way. ago, yeah, technically you know? still. Yeah, in I mean, I could see them still. Yeah. We can get hot. We can win seven or eight in a row. I, that's the mentality of mm-hmm. of every player. We heard Andrew and Peterson say it even right. today. Well, we can we can we can finish eight and eight and make the playoffs. Well. <laughs> sure, and I could grow a few more inches and date Halle Berry, but it's probably not going to happen this year. It probably so. won't happen because I probably date her first. Exactly. <laughs> she, she and I do share Cleveland roots, so go. I hate That's to tell right. you. So. That's right. That's um, right. What else? Like when you've been around him, mm-hmm. what's the vibe that you get from Dwayne? Did you? Are you? Have you? Do you I feel don't. Been around I, you know, him John, you guys are around him a lot yeah. more than I am. I I, I kind of parachute in and out and yeah. see him for a few minutes at a time. I, you know, he seems a little withdrawn, um, and I don't, maybe that's just him as a person, or maybe it's the totality and the enormity of, of what he's, you know, being tasked to do here and learning this job. I mean, all of that. Um, so I don't, I don't have a real read on, on the young man. I think he wants to be great from everything I've heard and, but he probably doesn't know how. I mean, that's the thing you got to remember. He doesn't know how to be great well, in this league. That's, that's the other thing, too, because I think when you come in the league, I mean, he's a 22-year-old kid. Yeah. They need him to be a 30-year-old man at quarterback. And, right. and some guys like Terry McLaurin comes in, and he is a – Terry's like a 10-year vet exactly. right away. Exactly. Not everybody's built like that. And yeah. that's why I just wonder if there's, like, a way that you have to really understand how to reach guys. Yeah, I think so. I think so. For especially – the, I think quarterback is the most – scrutinized position in all of sports right. and it's not close and so and I think because of that there's very few people that really understand the pressures that a starting NFL quarterback yeah. are under and 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 how difficult a position is so I'm agnostic on him just because I don't think we've seen enough to be able to make a judgment that makes any sense well, and, no. and and again John this is a team they're gonna have a top three pick in yeah. all likelihood I know. Definitely. And the, the problem, like I said, we can hear things, and you can hear whatever going on in the background and all yeah. that, but you still want to see, because I know that there have been a lot of quarterbacks in the league who you've heard a lot of things over the years who end up doing pretty well. Yeah. So you don't, like, you know, I know what I hear now. I know what people were saying six weeks ago, mm-hmm. but let's see it now. And, again, I saw, a, I felt like I saw a different kid in his poise after the game. Better. even. seemed a lot better. Yeah. I so thought I, he was a lot better on the field. Um, there was not that kind of... There's 12 seconds and they're not out of the huddle yet. You know, right. that was gone today. Right. And, and I thought that was, that was a that's lot a, better. That's a step. Last thing on here, yeah. um, the, um, just looking at the organization in, in general. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you make of this? This is your first year back <laughs> being around them. What do you make of it? I'm, I'm as dumbfounded as I've ever <laughs> been. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you'd use dumbfounded or flummoxed. About I, <laughs> what they, you know... I, I was talking to somebody before the game, and I just, I just wonder what I wonder if Dan Snyder understands how bad this is right now. I don't, I don't <laughs> know he if he does. Ha- I mean, because you know what, and I don't mean this pejoratively. I mean it because it's what happens when you have that much money. You don't have to live in reality. You can yeah. live in no, a hermetically sealed yeah. bubble <laughs> where you're only surrounded by people that you know and that are friends of yours. And that tell you everything's great. And I just wonder if he understands how toxic it is right I, now. I don't, I don't know that he does. I don't and, know if he I does think, either. I think we'll see based on the moves in the offseason yeah. how much he gets it and what they're looking for. I right. mean, what would be, if you, what would be your... Um, Recipe for turning this thing around. It's not. It's not easy either. I mean, no, I don't it's know not. But and he's look. He's not selling the team. So right. I mean, that's not going to happen. 
Look, the only look, it starts with Bruce Allen. Right. People don't like Bruce Allen. They don't. <laughs> I don't know how you can make the argument that they do. They don't. They don't. And and they want him gone. And at some point, you have to listen to your fans. I think um, not because they know more, because they don't. But they're buying the tickets. Well, and <laughs> you, you know, and so. you know, like the way you sell tickets in this league used to be off success. They yeah. Could sell it. Now you got to sell it off hope. Right. Mm-hmm. And if and I think we're, if, if Haskins doesn't progress the way they need it's going to be hard to sell it off that right i think for fans i think they would probably buy more if he got if he made a change at well, the top. i think you have to and if you want to you know there's an easy off ramp if you want to put bruce allen in charge of the new stadium and fine but he has to get out of the out of the hierarchy i think of yeah. the of the franchise going forward um, because I think that again, I don't think that the, that they are bereft of talent. They've got some so. talent on right. this team. I agree. They just don't have any direction or focus. I you think, know. I think that's been true. Like my thing with the organization is just is what's the organizational philosophy, yeah. the blueprint of the organization, and that's where I think it's always been lacking yeah. um, for years. And I don't know that. I think that to me under Callahan was a thing you've got to reestablish. It's who you. From a coaching perspective, right. who are you as a team what in the locker room do? and all that? Yeah. But that's still there's when you talk culture, it's everybody I talk to is like, can it just exist from the coach on down? It's like really, it really can't. It, can't. it can get to a certain point, but to create a winning situation which is consistently winning, yeah, it starts at the top. Well, you can't because even a coach has parameters, right? right. And so even I mean, look, Bill Belichick has complete control. But he's earned that one, right. and two, right. yeah. and two, it, it um, the rest of the organization is not in conflict with the head coach. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that seems to be a problem here. It does seem to be a problem, and it always gets out too. Yeah, that's a problem. So, like, I think that, and that that filters down to the players, right? And that creates a bad situation all the way around. Exactly, so, and it creates a lot of headaches for us too. But it's just this <laughs> unfortunate, juxtaposed to what I was just covering, which is the Nationals. Yeah, it's just it's just completely different. It's I mean, so different. Because when you're around them, what's I mean. How different? It's it, a, I mean, it's I'm not around him anymore. Completely different. I mean, just in terms of the complete backing they gave Davey Martinez at 19 and 31. Right. Complete backing. Yeah. Not there was not a scintilla of mm, I don't know. I'm right. not sure. You know, they backed him. Mike Rizzo backed him completely. Yeah, you're right. I'm going down with this guy. He's our guy. We're going down right. with him. And then, and and it shows throughout the organization i think and it doesn't mean they've always been successful but you at least they're at least coherent right i think they know what they want <laughs> yeah they have a blueprint and i think yeah. that's, that's important so anyway dave thanks a lot for Thank joining you, me john appreciate all it. right man after this break i'll be back with my observations what did i see from terry mclaurin in the locker room after the game what about adrian peterson why is he still so valuable and more Okay, time for the observations. Number one, the losing is obviously taking a toll. And you can see it on the face of young guys, especially receiver Terry McLaurin. He is someone who's talked whenever asked after games in the open locker room. Very professional. Well, he declined to talk today. I'm not making an issue out of that because I don't think it is one from the standpoint that we couldn't talk to him. I just think it speaks to the situation. And you can just see the anguish on his face. You could see it today in the locker room as he's leaving, headphones on, and he just he looked pained. 
He's already lost more this season in his first nine games than he did during his entire time at Ohio State. He is obviously someone who's used to winning, does the little things it takes to win. They have only one win. But this is the sort of guy you need a lot more of if you want to turn this around in the next few years. They can't reach on guys anymore in the draft. Guys like Jaron Christian, they went for talent. He doesn't have the makeup to be a really good player, so they missed on him. Um, you need more guys like McLaurin. Not just it's, it's hard to find guys, but guys who are culture setters, guys who are really good leaders, guys who take a certain approach. Then you obviously need some talent with that, but, and that's what McLaurin has. Um, but he hasn't done enough. He hasn't, like with McLaurin, he hasn't done enough to be a big team leader yet, but he is someone who will be soon. He had to be frustrated today because of the attention Buffalo paid him, and there was another game where the offense couldn't score a touchdown, and they didn't win. The losing bothered him after only a few weeks here. I can't imagine how it makes him feel now. However, I got a big-time clue today. Number two, the red zone issues just won't go away this year. The Redskins failed twice in the red zone today. They don't have the necessary weapons to make it work, so it's almost all dependent on calling the perfect play at the perfect time. To go 13 quarters without a touchdown is awfully, awfully difficult in the NFL. I always go back to what I hear from great quarterbacks such as Peyton Manning who will say that running the ball in the red zone is a must. But to capitalize, you need to have more than that. And Washington does not have more than that right now. They wanted to be conservative with Haskins in the red zone because they don't want him turning it over. So some of the plays they ran could be considered day one installs. That limits the plays here as well, but so do the weapons. They desperately need a tight end presence in the passing game, and that would help dramatically in the red zone. It would help elsewhere too. On one play, and I'm kind of struggling to remember which one, there's a play in which Jeremy Sprinkle ran down the right seam. The safety doesn't go over toward him, doesn't seem to even flinch toward him. Instead, it helps go on the other side to double McLaurin. Had it been a talent such as a Jordan Reed or a Vernon Davis, perhaps either they're open or the safety eyes them and McLaurin is open. But nobody is threatened at all by Sprinkle. Not a knock on him, just the reality. He's not open and now McLaurin isn't either. Finding a pass-catching tight end is among the offseason priorities. A guy like that would help in the red zone. Number three, the Redskins absolutely went with a conservative game plan, and I know one player in the locker room who told me he thought coordinator Kevin O'Connell called a fantastic game given the situation he had to work with. A rookie quarterback that they wanted to sit all season going against a terrific defense on the road and with the head coach who wants to run the ball all the time. Not, not every great coaching job results in a lot of points or, or big-time wins. But they wanted to protect Haskins against a defense that ranked third against the pass and had safeties to, who do a good job of conning quarterbacks. The fact that Haskins didn't throw a pick and wasn't close to one was a win. But it also didn't result in any touchdowns. And to do that, they're going to have to take some more shots and let him make some of those downfield mistakes. I do think a lot of guys like Haskins in this organization. It does seem he wants to do well and to be in position to want to do well. I know he's reached out to Doug Williams at times, something RG3, for example, never did. Williams is a good sounding board for him and someone who can give him advice or sure a quarterback tip, and they've done that. After the Minnesota game, my understanding is that Williams texted him 
and pointed out in the interception, he said, he said everything was good, you just got to step into the throw. And that was it. That's why the pass sailed. So that's good to hear from a guy like that. It's a good relationship for Haskins to have. Anyway, back to the game plan. The Redskins want to build Haskins' confidence. That means taking little steps in his development. Those of you who wanted him in now, this is what you're going to get. He's a talented kid, but also a passer in the infant stages of his development. Therefore, I don't think they want to put him in too many situations where he can make killer mistakes. They need to start his building his game by getting his confidence to a certain level and then trying like hell to keep it there. Again, there's going to be some times in the future you just have no choice but to attack more. But I think they're going to take their they're going to be very conservative with it for now. Number four, the Redskins need to find another corner or two who can help. I like most of what Quentin Dunbar has done this season, but Josh Norman just isn't helping, and they could use more depth there regardless. They need a free safety as well. I don't think you can trust Monte Nicholson to stay healthy, and nobody else in the roster should start at that position. I'd also like them to more strongly consider going to a 4-3 next season, something there was a chance of happening, however big, I don't know, but that was a chance last offseason. Some of you know that I have not blamed their defensive issues in recent years on playing the 3-4. They play a lot of nickel anyways, and there are a lot of 4-3 elements. Um, other excellent defenses somehow managed to run a successful 3-4. It's about finding the right personnel, and I don't think the Redskins ever really have. And I think it starts with you don't have that big nose tackle to really clog the middle. You have two really good, you have some really good tackles inside, but you don't have that one stud um, as a nose tackle, the pure nose tackle. And, and I think you also haven't been getting the production out of the outside linebackers that you need because if you don't have a really good nose tackle, you damn well better have high, high production from the outside, and that's not what they're getting. I think the Redskins do have the ability to switch if they want to do so this offseason. I don't think it's good for Ryan Kerrigan to be dropping into coverage at this point. He could be a very good situational guy in a 4-3 with Montez Sweat at an end as well. You could not put them both in the game at that spot in a, in a base 4-3. But I do think it's something that they should consider and let Landon Collins be more of an in-the-box safety um, and even more than he is now. Um, they might need another piece or two, a linebacker. I think Ryan Anderson could be a good strong side backer in a 4-3. And I don't even know why I brought this up. It's just something I was thinking about today when you start looking to the future. It's not as if the defense was horrible all game. They were, they were, they were on the first three drives. They allowed 268 yards. Most of that came in the, a lot of that came in the first quarter. They were bad again on third downs. I think it was six for 12 today. Um, that's a problem, I think, for a lot of reasons. But this defense should be better, and there are changes that will be made and some that could be made, and I think they all would help. Now on the last one, number five. It's still fun to watch running back Adrian Peterson run the ball. There were a couple times I saw cuts that he could have made better that could have led to bigger runs, and he always talks about that after the game too, but he's such a valuable part of this team. The one thing you know with Peterson is that he will continue to prepare a certain way. I know some people probably would have liked to see the Redskins trade him for whatever they could get before the deadline. I know his efforts today did not result in the win, but I, also want, I, I would also want guys like him running the ball because you know he's going to keep trying to win or at least to get every yard imaginable. After the, after the game, he was asked, about the 1-8 the and eight record, he said they could still finish 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, clearly everybody's going to kind of chuckle at that. 
And I'm sure many of you would mock him for saying that. In fact, you know, I think, I think that would be an easy thing to think. But the alternative is quitting, in which case fans would get very mad at that as well. So yes, while maybe it would have been good to get traded, get a, maybe a seventh round pick, I also don't think it's the worst thing for young guys to see a future Hall of Fame running back playing a certain way in a lost season. Anyways, that's it for now. After another ugly game, I want to thank David Aldridge from The Athletic, leaders work there, for joining me. I always appreciate his insights. And I also want to thank you for continuing to listen. Hang in there. Hey, come check out a live taping of the John Kime Report. It's going to take place on Monday, November 18th at City Tap in Loudoun 1 out in Ashburn, Virginia. Start time around 8 o'clock. It'll end at 9 p.m. In the show notes, you can find the Eventbrite invitation that you can RSVP to to ensure that you get seats. It's free to show up. And if you can't find the invitation in the show notes, shoot me an email and I'll send you a link directly to you for you to sign up. You can find me at Bram, B-R-A-M, at AmpireMedia.com, A-M, P-I-R-E media.com. Bram at AmpireMedia.com. And we look forward to seeing you on the 18th at CityTap Loudon.